Blog Talk Radio. All right, folks. Well, once again, into the breach we go. It is Friday. Um, might look a little bit different tonight. Uh, I've got a two guest hosts hosts with me. Um, Adrian was not feeling uh, well again, so filling in for her is Doc Z. And I've also got Ryan from the Freaking Awesome Paranormal Show. Um, <clears throat> we were supposed to have Lisa Marie from Key to the Other Side Paranormal on. Um, but she had some things going on, and we'll reschedule her for a later date. But I thought what we would do is we would um, continue with what we were going to talk about with her, um, <clears throat> which was... Um, the urban legend of the uh, Black Volga, which comes from Europe, and then um, talk about some paranormal happenings in a park not too far from here and um, whatever else we want to talk about um, after that. Um, Jane, can you check and see if your phone is on or maybe maybe... Oh, you're on your phone, so. Yeah, I don't know if it's some other ambient coming through. It was the same way that we had for um, Dave Schrader, but that sounds a little bit better. So, um, yeah, and that that was the same that was the same interference we had with Dave Schrader. He thought maybe that we were catching an EVP or something like that. But <clears throat> right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right. Yep. So, I don't know, do you guys want to start off with um, the urban legend, or do you want to start off with um, something paranormal, or do you have, uh, well, let's start off with it this way, um, what obscure holiday is it today, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't know I don't know what it is. Right. Interesting. Exactly. So, there, I think Dan decided to mute until we talked to him, so that'll, I think that's how we'll get around it, but, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, So, the Black Volga um, refers to an urban legend that came out of the Soviet bloc in the, around the 1960s, 1970s. And basically, it's centered around a bunch of abductions and uh, disappearances. Um, it was either disappearances of kids or 
uh, different classes, people. Um, normally what would happen is they would say that it was a, a either a red or a black Volga, which is a type of car that is made in, in the Soviet bloc. They say either a Gaz uh, 21 or 24. So if you think of like a BMW, that's kind of that's kind of what those cars were. Is they were BMW type cars, which at that time, yep. So at that time, it was uh, that car was more for affluent people um, and government agencies uh, used them as well. Um, and that's another thing that they were thinking was. Um, the government agencies like the KGB or the NKVD were driving these cars, and maybe the people that were disappearing were the distance people who were standing up, the people who didn't want to go the way of the hammer and the sickle. But basically what would happen is they would say that once you see this car, you would disappear, and then within a day or two, they would find your... Uh, mutilated body, not only mutilated, but exsanguinated and free of all blood. Um, that's what one of the legends was talking about. Um, Well, right, and, you know, although that car was prevalent, it, it did stand out because uh, one part of the legend said that it was a jet black and it had uh, white hubcaps or, like, white sidewalls, and then it had the white lace curtains um, in the window. And they, yeah, right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they they don't know, you know, what it was. Maybe it was, you know, the the uh, KGB snapping people, or it was the NKVD taking care of people. But another couple, well, no, <clears throat> and and it wasn't just Russia. It was it was in that block of countries. So like Poland, Romania, Hungary, any of those Soviet bloc countries. Um, at that time, and I, it almost feels to me like it was a scare tactic uh, told told to people of, hey, you better toe the line because if you don't, right? Um, right. Well, and I kind of have a feeling that uh, Russia might be sweeping back that way uh, as far as the party line. Uh, it just has that feeling. Um, but another another thing that they said, they, there was a myriad of people who could be seen driving the car. And one of the people that they saw driving the car is old Scratch himself. So, but usually, usually they would see him driving and the car was red. So, it was either, 
yeah, it was either a red or a black Volga. And I think, I don't know, Dan, what do you think? I mean, I mean, there's, there's stories out there that are told by, you know, plenty village elders or, um, you know, the, the seniors to the kids of, hey, behavior or this will happen. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, you know, like uh, the old the old Italian grandmas telling their kids, you know, hey, behave. Um, I know when we lived in the Pacific Northwest, there was a um, there was a story about an old lady that lived up in the in the mountains called the Snemias, and basically what she would do is she would she would come down off the mountain at night. And she would walk around, and she had this bag over her shoulder, and she would walk house to house. And if she saw that the kids were being naughty, not listening to their parents, you know, being rowdy, she'd walk up to their, you know, get in the house, sweep them up in the bag, and throw them over the shoulder and go up into the mountain. And who knows what would happen with them. You know, some people say that they would they would stay up there till they behaved, or the Snemiet would, I don't know, hook them up. So, I mean, there's every culture you look at, in my belief, has a story like this, and it's just a you better toe the line and behave, or else. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, I... I mean, at least it ain't a Yugo. Have, have you guys heard of any stories like that at all? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, even even when uh, my dad was in the Navy, um, he was actually, the ship he was on was actually shadowed by uh, a Russian trawler, but they didn't have any fishing nets on board. And you, well, I think you said you remember going up on deck and, and glassing them with binoculars and, and not seeing anything on deck. Yeah. Right. But I think, yeah, I mean, as far as urban legend goes, I I think that one's interesting. You know, it's not like alligators in the sewer or anything like that, but... um,
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and and like you said, you know, there's, I'm sure that happened all the way up until the wall fell in what ninety ninety one. So. Yeah. Well, I'm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, there is there is some claims that uh, putting blood on your face does help. Some ailments, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to put anybody else's blood on my face. Right. Yeah. Spoils the war. Yeah. That is the legend of the Black Bulgar. I thought that that was one that was a little bit interesting. Um, so moving on, um, <clears throat> Dad and I were doing some research on this on this next subject a little bit earlier tonight, and um, this is actually a park that he and I have both been at. Um, it's a park that's probably, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes away from us. Um, and basically what it is, is, um, it's a city park and it's got two things going for it. It's got a really nice flooding hill, but unfortunately on the right hand side of the sledding hill, there's also a three place archery range. Um, and people can just go out and do their archery practice anytime they want. Uh, and that, that plays into the story. So basically what this story was is, I think it was January of 1998. Um, there was a bunch of kids that were sliding down this hill. And at the time they were sliding, some adults thought that it would be fine to also go out and practice archery. Now, if you overshoot your sledding run, you're going to run right through the firing line of the archery ring. And um, that unfortunately happened to this, I believe he was eight years old, his name is Damon. That uh, unfortunately happened to eight-year-old Damon, and he uh, took an arrow to the eye, and it killed him instantly. And um, so basically what they say that happens is um, he makes himself visible to other kids that are um, on the hill sledding or in the area. Um, And we were looking at Google Earth earlier um, just to kind of re-familiarize ourselves with the area. And um, one thing that we saw was 
they've literally cut the hill in half now. They've planted trees across the top, so you can't go, you can't start further up and get more distance. I think that's what the problem was, is when you start at the top of the hill, you'll carry more speed and you'll get into that firing line. And um, so basically what they're saying happens is um, he'll make himself, um, he'll make himself known to kids. Uh, I don't know if he communicates to kids, but another thing that he'll do is if you're standing on the hill, summer, winter, whenever, you'll be standing on the hill and you'll feel a nudge from behind you. And they, they say that that's him trying to push you down the hill. Um, it's really hard to get information on this. I literally only saw one other person, it was like a five-minute video on YouTube, that they went out with the camera and they walked around. Um, the woods behind the uh, target range also are said to be um, have activity. Um, and I know, Dan, uh, you and I have been out there before, and, you know, not knowing anything happened there, I didn't feel anything at the time. I don't, I don't think you felt anything. Um, um, if there, if there was, they were very small blurbs. Um, I think, I think I Googled it and I think I picked up a Sun-Times article, which Sun-Times was local paper, and it was maybe, maybe a three or four sentence blurb about it. So I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, see, the thing is, Scott Park is a, um, that's all in the park together. The hill and the, uh, there's tennis courts, and then there's, there's the archery range. But when we looked at it on Google Earth, um, they have trees that uh, cut off the top of the hill. Because um, there's a, there's a uh, place that up at the top of the hill, and that was all one big piece at one point in time. So it, it, it looks like in response to that, they, they cut off the top of the hill. Um, right. Mm Yeah, like snow fence. Yeah. Well, and we, um, my mom and dad and I actually lived maybe, what, we lived like three, four blocks away from there at one point, maybe half a mile. Um, but we were, we were moved away from the area when that happened. Um, but yeah, I remember I don't remember hearing anything about it when it happened. Of course, I was in junior high, but um, I really only learned about this. Uh, I was just on YouTube one day and I heard somebody talking about it. And uh, I think I Googled it and I only saw that small blurb from the Sun, Sun Times about it. So, um, so either either of you gentlemen have anything we'd like to talk about tonight? 
I talked about two things. Maybe if you guys have something to talk about, we could do that. I know we're just about a half hour in. Now, is that, is that in the woods off the backside of the brick rancher or behind the cabin? Hmm. Oh. Yeah. And I could, I could imagine, well, I can't imagine the level of trauma that went on, you know. I, I was a Civil War reenactor for 10 years, and um, like I've said before, you know, I never went to any actual battlefields in the South, but I've, I've been to a couple of battlefields up here, and even being up to battlefields up here, it, you just, it's an uncanny feeling when you go out there. Uh, with just just the amount of loss, you know, when you try and comprehend that in your mind of how many men were out there and just the finality of what happened on those days. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I've been getting that feeling. Well, um, at the sites that I volunteer at. Uh, today was my last day um, volunteering 100% of my time at Dakota City. I will still volunteer there, but um, I'm giving more time to the train museum. But I get that feeling every time I go out to Dakota City where it's just I'm not uncomfortable, but it's just there's people in certain buildings doing their normal day-to-day, and it's busy, like in the depot I was in today. It's just full of people going around doing their normal thing. So it's crowded, but people are doing their thing. Right. Yeah, and I 
um, so I've I've got a friend that is sensitive to pictures. So when I've gone out there, I've sent her pictures of the building, and she'll tell me, you know. I mean, I can feel it too, but she was like, well, I, I kind of want to work on it. So I would send her a picture, and she would say, well, this is this is what I feel. What do you feel? And last Saturday, because I'm volunteering at the Minnesota Tra- uh, Transportation Museum in St. Paul, um, I took some pictures for her when I was up there. And uh, the first picture I took for her was of the – uh, main entrance into the roundhouse and quite literally so I sent her this picture and like two minutes later she goes I don't know how in the hell anybody stands in that door frame and of course I'm reading that going okay what are you thinking you know can you get you freaked out and she was like well she goes it's just a ball of energy um, and that, that's the thing you it doesn't necessarily need to be bad. It could just be a ball of confusion with them not knowing where they're at or a lot of people there doing doing things. Um, and I think that's all it is uh, with that energy at Dakota City and energy at the Roundhouse is people are still, it's residual energy of them going about their business. said that she got dizzy and got a headache off of it so um, she said when it when it when it's that a lot of energy she gets dizzy and has to sit down which I I can understand mm-hmm. right Yeah, well, it's like Dennis said when I was talking to him, like the first time you took him into the rancher, he said he took two to three steps in and he was like, this ain't right. Yeah, a lot, a lot different to Dennis's approach. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I have a feeling that whatever's in the basement don't play that game. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I think uh, we should, we should let Dan chime in and I know um, he's, he's told me a story once or twice. Um, about a ghost experience he had. Uh, Dane, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, when you and Doc went down to his plantation house.
Right. Well, and I was, uh, I was, um, when I was doing the World War II reenacting, or not World War II reenacting, Civil War reenacting, uh, there's a place down here called Murphy's Landing where our group um, had um, total rights to, to be at. Um, so we would go out and we would do weekends for like Memorial Day weekend or we would go out and do World War II week, or uh, some war weekends um, and they would let us sleep on site. So we would have our our uh, dog tent set up and we would sleep out there as well. Well then I had to go to the bathroom and I was like well I'm just going to walk into our little town to the new flushies that they built so I went in there, and on my way back out of the town, there's a, it's called the Vilki House, and it's Norwegian, and um, was owned by Mr. Vilki, who's a very prominent person uh, that lived in that house. And um, my friends actually staffed that house for the winter program, and they had always said, hey, um, when we go in there, we, we say hi to the Vilkies, we talk to them, uh, just to make sure that they know we're there. Um, and they're, you know, just to make sure that they know that we're not messing with things, we're going to put stuff back if we move it or whatnot. And 
they had always said that. I, I was skeptical at the point, you know. And this was before my Camp Ridgely experience. Um, so I was a little bit skeptical and like, yeah, whatever, you know, he's just blowing smoke. Um, but it was just me. I had a lantern and I was walking back and <clears throat> was walking, walking back and I could see the Vilky house and I noticed a flicker of light up in the upper window. And I was like, okay, I know none of us are in there. Nobody has a key for the buildings. And then I looked again, and it was Mr. Vilky standing in the window. And just as I looked up, he's brushing the curtains back, and he's got a light, and he's standing in the window. And he let the curtains go, and he waved at me. And I just, okay, I'm seeing this. This is happening. So I'm like, hey, we're back at him. How you doing? And I picked up a little bit of speed, and I went back to camp, and I, I saw Harley and Patience. So Harley was our commanding officer. Patience was his wife. And I'm like, um, yeah, so you're not going to think I'm crazy, but I just saw Mr. Vilky. <laughs> I told him all about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's nothing. He stands in that window all the time and waves at everybody. Um, right. And you're gonna have you're gonna have the hardcore skeptics and then you're gonna have guys like us where it's like I know everybody has an ex- explanation for it, but I can't speak away and justify seeing what I saw. So a doppelganger situation almost then. Wow. So like a like an Indian in the cupboard kind of thing. 
espiritual. Right. Um, we... Now, yeah, yep. Now, Dan, didn't you say you had a uh, out of body experience at one point in time? Mm-hmm. Hmm. What what do they say that leads up to an NBE? Is it just because it, it is it is it the soul leaving the body for a certain point of time or? from the corner of the ceiling. Right. Well, and I've, I, I've done that watch that one time. I watched myself sleep for about five minutes, and then I'm back in my body. It was weird. As soon as that happened, I woke up, and I'm like, okay, what the heck? I don't know. Or, you know, is, is the whole astral projection thing, is that coupled with uh, remote viewing? It might be... Yeah. Right. Well, I I would definitely love to have him back on the show. It was good to have him on the show. So we're just about, oh, we're 52 minutes in, so we got under, under 10 minutes. So um, is there anything interesting you have coming up um, in the future for shows that you'd like to talk about or? Wow. I'm only, I'm only booked through July so far. Right. <laughs> well, and you know, then you get situations like I've had technical difficulties that people call in and say, hey, you know, I've got personal or family problems that I've had to reschedule and, and you just you just roll with it. I mean case in point tonight 
you know, you guys having you guys on here was a was an ad hoc. You know, I gotta, I I don't want to cancel again. So, right. Right. <laughs> right. We we didn't go to Brown College to do this, you know. Yeah. Right. Where were where were you on Sunday at four o'clock? <laughs> Right. So what do you what do you have planned for next Tuesday? Yeah, I have uh next Friday I have a friend of mine, she lives in Fargo. That's the one that can sense pictures, uh C J Marie. She's going to come on and talk about um, living with attached items. Yep, so she can sense pictures, but she's also grown up in uh, her childhood house. They always had attached items around. They would go out to, like, um, antique stores and buy things. And you, you never know when you go to an antique store if anything has anything attached to it. Right. Well, and same thing when you go on investigations, and I think that's the biggest thing about whoever you believe in, whatever you believe in, having having your right of protection. Um, you know, I, I'm just seeing this from the outside. I haven't done an investigation yet, but I see a value as, as a Lutheran, as a Christian, I see value as not only when you show up for a pair of protection, but um, as it's been proven by the Ghost Adventures crew, when they get stupid and do some things, pair of protection before you go home. Right. Yeah. Is there a is there a standard uh, thing that you do that you go to thing every time you go somewhere? I'm, I'm sure pretty much boiled down to the situation and, and what you've been feeling at that location. Um, but I know it's right. 
and I know part of my investigation kit. You know, I've got my tools. I've got my camera. I've got my EMFs. But what's more important to me is is my protection kit. I've got uh, a Bible that is special to me. Uh, this Bible that I'm talking about was carried by my grandfather in World War II. It was the um, the, the soldier's pocket Bible. Um, unfortunately, it's not kind with his name. That would be cool. But I know for a fact he carried it. So I have that. I have a uh, rosary that I brought back from the uh, Vatican Museum when I went to uh, Italy. And then I have a uh, vial of holy water. And I know those are usually usually three things that people tend to carry with them at investigations. Um, And I don't know, you know, I'm thinking of doing investigation. I don't know if I want to. And usually, you know, it's not everybody's thing. I know I want to do it. It's just the fact is I don't know what I'm going to run into when I'm there. Yep. Right. Well, and I shouldn't say I haven't done investigations because I've sent EVPs to you. I've done my own little investigations um, at Dakota City, and um, I should play at one time, but I was the last thing before we go here, but um, we had a school tour come through, and that's what I would do is I would open up the buildings and staff the building while the kids were in. And then when the kids were done eating lunch, I would go and I'd close, close the buildings up. Well, every morning when I opened it in a, the individual building, I would unlock the door. First thing I would say is, morning, how is everybody We're doing school tours today? And then the last thing I would do is when I was bring the flags in before I would lock up, I would say, okay, we're done for the day. If we had something to do the next day, I'd say, okay, I'm going to be in tomorrow at this time. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, and I just I just had a wild hair one day. I was like, hey, while I'm closing up in each building, I'll give myself, you know, a couple of minutes, and I'll, I'll record on my phone and do a small little EVP session. Um, and he'd done an EVP session in three previous buildings. Well, I got to the uh, one-room one schoolhouse, that was the original one-room school to District 94 that was in in Minnesota, and I got in there and I was I was talking, and I shared this with you, and I've shared it with a couple of people. I knew for a fact that we had kids on site, but the kids were on the other side of the site, not inside of the building, um, and their voices couldn't reach that far, but. I caught kids laughing and playing, and it sounds like they're right outside the door. Um, yeah, I was I was in the middle of the room, away from any window, and the door was shut. Uh, nope, I couldn't hear. Nope, I just heard silence, and that. So yeah, it, it's not fair to say it's not fair for me to say I haven't done investigations. It's just not a full-blown investigation. Um, but I've been doing EVPs in a place where I'm comfortable, um, and I think that's the thing: is I'm okay doing it in a place where I feel comfortable. But once I step out of that safety zone, it yeah. Right. Mm. Right. 
I'm sure I will at some point in time, you know, and I've got a team made up. You know, we're a little split apart right now. We've got uh, two members here in Minnesota. I've got a member in upstate New York, and we've got a member in Green Bay. And um, we're actually we're actually thinking of, of uh, all coming out and, and investigating at Dakota City. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, one of the reasons that I stopped volunteering there is because the um, – the people who govern that have all changed. So it's a new new group of people coming in, and they're not necessarily have the same views as everybody that's there. They want to do their own things. But, you know, and that happens from site to site. I'm, I'm sure that happens at, you know, like Waverly or something like that every time something changes. So... Well, I looking at the clock, we've been in the after party for about five minutes, um, <laughs> but I've already had my two Guinness for the night. I think I'm pretty much done. <laughs> All right. Well, I thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. I know we were shooting from the hip tonight. Um, sometimes it's fun to do that. Sometimes it's hard to do. Uh, I think we've we we went right through 60 minutes pretty easy. Right. I I, I can still hear it a little bit, um, but it's not as bad as it was when we started the show. Um, so, yeah, before we sign off tonight, I just want to remind my viewers, uh, next Friday night, um, I hope to have uh, co-host Adrian back. Um, we're going to be... Uh, interviewing DJ uh, e. Marie. We're going to be talking about growing up with attached things in the house and also uh, antiquing and bringing how you protect yourself and bringing uh, attached items into the house. So, uh, Ryan, thank you for coming on. It was great seeing you. Um, like I said, you know, if you ever need, if, if Austin or Rhonda can't help out, you know, let me know and I'll, I'll uh, co-host with you. Yeah, no problem. And, Dan, thanks for coming on and filling in. Uh, we should maybe have you back. I know we're going to have you back a couple more times to talk about your service or your time in the Forest Service. So. That sounds good. All right, folks. Well, I hope you have a good weekend, and we will see you next Friday. Have a good night, folks. And we are clear. Woohoo! Another one down. Oh. Okay, so what the hell? We've had that happen twice now. The heck? Well, Ryan said he thought he heard something too, but yeah. But When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.